Praise the Lord, everybody. Welcome to the Remedy House. I am Pastor Mark McGee. I want to thank everybody for tuning in and joining us on today. I am so excited that you are with me. Please forgive me about my hair. I got to get my cut today. Uh, I do appreciate everybody tuning in and talking to us on today. We have a great message for you. Um, and then we got some other things to talk about and discuss. Um, let me check this out. We are so glad that you are with us. We are so excited that you are able to come join us on today. I do apologize right now. I'm having a little camera issue. I'm trying to fix it this moment. Uh, just please bear with me. But please, at the bottom of the screen, like it says, please like, share, and subscribe. Um, and we thank you for tuning in and being part of the Remedy family. So let's get to it. There we go. That's better. Okay, here we go. <laughs> so on today, we're talking about a very powerful message, a very deep message. It's called Remember. Remember is the title of the message on today. Um, but before we get into that, I want to kind of talk about a few things. Um, first of all, I'm asking everybody to be prayerful on today. There's a lot of things happening in the world with politics, with violence, with the whole nine yards. We need to be prayerful and listening unto the Lord. Um, this is definitely... The time that very long time right now, if you read the Bible, the signs are showing that Jesus is getting closer to coming for his return. And so with that being said, you need to have a stronger relationship with the Lord. Uh, you need to be praying you need to be studying the word, because uh, the scripture tells us that during these times, there are going to be people that come forth that will say they are with God. that will speak about knowing God, but won't be with them. And you don't want to be fooled or tricked. Um, pray for the Booth family. Uh, as many of you know, my amazing wife, First Lady Kay, uh, her uh, maiden name is Booth. And we have an amazing family on that side. My father-in-law, my friends, my cousins, a whole bunch of people we know from the Booth family. Uh, even some pastors that I promote, which is uh, uh, Pastor Thomas Singer and his beautiful wife uh, that you see me post on our uh, Facebook pages who do prayer time, which is awesome, uh, their family. But recently we had um, George Booth, uh, uncle, and a respected man. Uh, passed recently. And so uh, condolences to the family and we're asking everybody just to pray at this time uh, for healing, first of all, and as well as for the family itself. Uh, usually I don't do those things. I just kind of say it out loud, but uh, this was a very tough blow for many. And so uh, I'm asking everybody for their prayers during this time. Um, on that note and subject, we're praying for everybody who's going through these difficult times with the coronavirus, as well as uh, dealing with illness and sickness and losing loved ones. Um, I believe in 2020, as we go into 2021, a lot of people were devastated by the effects. And uh, it, it's it's a very hard thing to deal with. And we have to be there for the people of God. The scripture talks about uh, being there for the ones who mourn and being there for the ones who are going through and not to leave them or abandon them. So we're praying for everybody who's lost someone or anybody who's dealing with sickness, praying for uh, Bishop Lamar Collins. Um, because uh, he told us to pray for him, so we're doing it. Um, and we're praying for all the churches, all the leaders at this time. Uh, even though it's happening, uh, and we're praying for our youth and anybody who is listening to cover them and keep them right now. Uh, before I go into the slideshows and all that stuff, I just kind of want to talk about something else right now that's really been heavy on my mind, uh, and I believe it's time for me to speak up about it. Um, I don't think everybody sees what's happening in the world beyond just politics and issues. I think as church leaders and as a church leader, there's something bigger happening behind the scenes that I want to say out loud that I pray that leaders as myself and other believers will start to really open their eyes. The main goal, uh, us as leaders and Christians, is to make sure that people know the kingdom of God and know who God is and be able to receive him and have access to the kingdom of God. Main thing. It's not about numbers. It's not about fame. It's not about publicity. It's really about helping people be set free. And to be set free, you have to know the word of God and you have to know the truth behind it. But at the same time, the identity of God. I made this joke a couple of weeks back and a couple of months ago. And even now I'm going to bring it up one more time because I feel like it's very important that we realize this. As I've been praying and studying, the Lord has put something on my heart. And I just want to say it out loud. And I pray that you receive it 
and begin to take it more seriously. The thought is, how can I bring somebody to God or help somebody understand God if people currently right now that proclaim God are not bearing the fruit of God? Or oh, saying, Pastor, it seems like there's churches put against churches, believers put against believers, and now we're at a point where we're trying to figure out who really are the children of God. And if you think about it in a whole, we've already had this situation occur in the sense of there's already people who proclaim to be children of God, who are not children of God, that when they do something wrong or do something that's not right, it already gives the people who are children of God a bad rap. So when I go to somebody and say, hey, listen, God is real. He is in your life and he loves you. Usually what I'm put up against is somebody saying, I've already been in a place who said the same exact thing and they failed. They said God was real. They said all things happened. I followed them blindly and come to find out they were false. They were false teachers, false believers and false prophets. Now, what do I have to do to believe you now? We have to be careful of what we put God's name on. Because we are the representation of his children. And because you say his name, there's a consequence behind it. Because if you say something that is of God, that is not of God there's a bigger penalty at stake. Right now, it's hard for people to even believe in a God because people before us who made mistakes and done things wrong have gave us a bad name. But people look up about pastors who buy these big churches and cars and all this money and they didn't spend it for God's purpose, for their own purpose. When you go to somebody who you really want to find out who God is and help them, they already have something against you because that individual claimed to be part of the same family as you. And since they are corrupt, you have to be corrupt. And with technology and things occurring, I want everybody to wake up and realize that if you don't know your word and if you truly don't know the identity of God, it's going to be really hard to bring somebody to Christ because everything around them says God is false. And so in this moment, as we begin to teach and study the word, you need to know who your daddy really is, because there's certain things that's being said that is of your father talking about God, that if you really read the scripture, it ain't him. And that's the only way you're going to know who's telling the truth and who's not. We have to stop taking people's word just as face value and say, oh, because of their status or because of their funding, that this is true. And really look at the word to see so you will not be deceived because he's been saying it from the beginning of time. There are people among us who will claim to be his children, who are not his children, who will look like his children, who will talk like his children. But if you get to the root of it, they are not part of this family. I know this is deep, but I really just want to say it out loud because I have a concern now for people who are lost, who are trying to find God. And I don't want them to encounter somebody who's not a part of this family, who's proclaiming it, but not showing it by their fruit. And now they are being lost and led astray and that we didn't say nothing about it. This is why I emphasize so hard on who's your daddy, who's your big brother, what is the Holy Ghost? What is the Holy Spirit? What does the word say? Because if you read it and really look at it, there are things and traits that occur about God that if you were put into a situation, you would know without a fact, a shadow of a doubt, that it's not my dad. If my kids heard from somebody that I was at a certain place that I wasn't supposed to be at, trust me, my kids would say, that ain't my dad. Because we know my dad. We know his patterns. We know how he is. And that ain't my daddy. So stop disrespecting my daddy. Scripture that I found in my prayer time that I want to share with you is two of them actually. It's 2 Peter chapter 2, verses 1 through 3, and Deuteronomy 13, verses 1 through 5. And I'm going to read it for you. I'm going to put it on the screen too. Go right here, share my screen. I apologize, I can't share it right now, but I'll go ahead and read it. So 2 Timothy chapter 2, verses 1 through 3, it says, and this is ESV I'm reading from, and I encourage you to look for it for yourself as well. It says, false prophets and teachers, false prophets and teachers. It says, but false prophets also arose among the people, just as there will be a false teachers among you who will secretly bring in destructive heresies, 
even denying the master who brought them, bringing upon themselves swift destruction. And many will follow their sincere um, sensationality. And because of them, the way of truth will be blasphemed. Oh, blasphemed. Sorry. And in their greed, they will exploit you with false words. Their condemnation from long ago is not idle and their destruction is not asleep. And then in Deuteronomy chapter 13, verses one through five, it says, a, if a prophet or a dreamer of dreams arises among you and gives you a sign or a wonder, and the sign of wonder that he tells you comes to pass, and he says, let us go after other gods, which you have not known, and let us serve them, you shall not listen to the words of that prophet or that dreamer of dreams. For the Lord your God is testing you to know whether you love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul. Did you catch that? They say in scripture, there will be people who will speak and say and dream and prophesy. And that in that conversation, it's gonna sound really good. And they're gonna say, serve me, follow me. But then in the conversation, it's gonna come out. Their words will speak about go follow other gods. And it says, no, because God is testing you to see if you love him or not. To know whether you love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, you shall walk after the Lord your God and fear him and keep his commandments and obey his voice and you shall serve him, hold fast to him. But that prophet or that dreamer of dreams shall be put to death because he has taught rebellion against the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt and redeemed you out of the house of slavery. To make you leave the way in which the Lord your God commanded you to walk, you shall purge the evil from your midst. The key words here are false teachers, false prophets, the way they will communicate, the way they will speak, but there'll be certain things they do. And as you will see it, you will know for a fact that ain't God. Please, 2 Peter chapter 2, 1 through 3, Deuteronomy 13, 1 through 5. Read it, understand it, and see. It. Open your eyes up, y'all. Right now that we said that part, I'm gonna go ahead and get into the sermon on today. Thank you guys for tuning in and watching with me. I really appreciate it. Okay, welcome to the Remedy House where we say, Come as you are, leave change. We are here to reach, restore, and release the remedy. We are the Remedy family. Welcome, everybody, for joining us. Please like, share, and subscribe. You can listen to us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Breaker, Spotify, and Radio Republic. It is about that time to ask the pastor a question. I got two questions today somebody wanted to ask me, so we're going to go ahead and go forward and answer these questions and continue with the service. Thank you all for tuning in and watching. Please, if you have a question, you can Facebook us. You can go ahead and tell us on the YouTube or even below. You can actually say it right now if you're on YouTube. You can type in the chat. Uh, it's Remedy House on YouTube, or you can get in contact with us at Facebook. Facebook is Remedy C-O-G, at Remedy C-O-G. All right? So you can get us on Facebook at Remedy C-O-G. Or you can get us at the Remedy House on YouTube. And right now, if you're watching on Facebook or YouTube, in the comments section at the bottom, you can actually type in because we're live right now and I can answer and speak to you guys. So saying hi to everybody that's watching right now. All right. It's time to ask the pastor. Here we go. First question. It says, uh, Pastor, what did it mean when the disciples in the Bible says their hearts were hardened? So I believe what the person is talking about, and thank you for your question, is in scripture with them being on the boat after Jesus came out on when there was like a storm happening. He was on the mountain praying and he came down and he walked on the water and he calmed the storm and the waves. And he kind of told them this is when Peter walked on water and uh, he told him, come on out. And do you believe? And then he sank and he pulled him out. And then uh, we talked about that scripture. So in that whole scripture, they're seeing the power of God beyond just just natural things, the 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 wind, the water, the waves, earth itself, he has authority and power. And that he tells them that basically he fell in the water because he took his eyes off of him. He didn't believe. And it says, even after them explaining these things to them and talking to them, their hearts were hardened. Meaning that even though they saw the miracle occur, even though they witnessed the wind and the waves cease, and he is the Lord of Lords and the kings of kings, they still did not understand it. Meaning that their logical sense and their hearts themselves 
couldn't push past what just happened, even though it occurred. So it's pretty much he told them these things saying, this is who I am. And they still didn't get it. And that's key, because if you recall, all this time, the disciples have been following him, watching these miracles occur, feeding the, uh, the thousands and doing these things. And it's saying that still their hearts couldn't receive what was happening. And it's a big thing to talk about, because sometimes there's things that happen with us that we recognize a witness with God and we still can't understand it or or receive it because our logical thinking has blocked it. And so this is a great way in the Bible that he's teaching how you can watch the miracle happen, see things that occur, speak on it, and still somebody can't understand it or want to receive it because logically it doesn't make sense to them. That's why we have to think outside of the natural mindset and, and, and start to see the move and the concept of God. God is beyond limitations. There is no limitations on God. There is none. Nothing he can't do. Nothing he can't make happen. I got to say what's up to Sam. Sam is in the chat. What's up, Sam? Sam is an amazing guy. So it, it's it's something that you have to understand because even in our life right now, God's going to move and do things that's unexplainable that if you were to tell somebody about it, their heart wouldn't receive it because they're like, that's impossible. But it happened. It truly happened. That's why when I pray at the end of my sermons and I say, hey, before we go forward and pray, if you remember that moment that you knew that nobody can fix, that you cannot fix, that it was a dead end and then all of a sudden it got changed, that's God. And now I'm asking you to receive that moment to know that he is real and then realize that he is outside the walls that we have against ourselves. He is an omnipotent God. That means he is everywhere. That's why I talk about sometimes like it's so exciting. Like right now, when I say he's the God of the present, He's, he's there in the past, present, and the future all at the same time. So that's why you see that verse or that statement in scriptures um, when it said it that way, because it's talking about people still not being able to understand or receive what's happening. Or also the term to say hearts is hard to mean that they were angry or sad because truth had come forth. Okay, this is another good one. So it says, Pastor, what is the reason behind emphasis on tax collectors in scripture. So every time we read the scripture, it talks about a tax collector. What is the big deal about that? So the thing about the tax collector that's really cool is uh, in those times, there were certain people in the category they felt were corrupt. And on that list of corrupt people, the tax collectors were like number one uh, or number two, because they were people who worked for the Romans or worked for the king or the, the hierarchy in itself. And they collected money they had to pay them the tax, but also some of them know they didn't make enough money to live. They would take extra from the people. So they're known as corrupt people. So for somebody in scripture to say that this corrupt person became a believer, that speaks very highly of the power and movement of God, because that was somebody at one time who was selfish, that is corrupt, who was able to change and be part of the kingdom of God. I think it was Matthew was a tax collector. Um, and that's why they emphasize that his background and say, this is somebody who's following God now. And Zacchaeus, the one I preached on, was a tax collector that even when Jesus stood at his door, he said, you know, I'm sorry for what I did. I took from the people and I give it back and even more. That shows that God's power can change anybody. No matter how they are in the world, he can change them. So that's why it's an emphasis on tax collectors to make it like a plain point of people that are corrupted uh, at that time frame that were well known who became believers. Okay, cool. Okay, getting to the sermon, y'all. Ooh, jump back too fast. All right, we're coming out of Matthew 7, chapter 7, verses 15 through 29. I'm sorry I put 30. It's actually 29, so I do apologize. It's actually 15 through 29. And on the next slide, it will show it. Yep, there we go. Uh, Matthew chapter 17, verses 15 through 29. The title of today's sermon is Remember. Uh, verses 15 through 20 will be Ravenous Wolves. Uh, verses 21 through 23 will be Lord, Lord. And lastly, verses 24 through 27 will be The House on the Sand. It's going to be good, I promise. All right. Like I said, tell us your thoughts and your opinions in the chat, or you can email to us or message us. So let's go ahead and get into it. Okay, so 
Okay, here we go. So uh, chapter 7, verse 15 through 20, ravenous wolves. This is what scripture says, okay? So I'm going to go ahead and make it bigger. All right, here we go. It says, beware of false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly are ravenous wolves. Ravenous wolves is expressed to be like wolves craving to feed and hunger off of you and just trying to cover themselves up because they're trying to come and attack you. You recognize them by their fruits, emphasis on fruits. We're talking about scripture where if you notice that a lot of times in scripture, it talks about the fruit that you bear or the fig tree or that uh, uh, the fruit itself, meaning that uh, fruit being whatever comes out of you, whatever you produce will explain how you are. So it says you will recognize them by their fruits. And he gives you an example. Are grapes gathered from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? No, you don't see no grapes on no thorn bushes and you don't see no figs on no thistles. This is our very pointy flowers. I saw one earlier. There's a purple. We call it purple millet flower. It's called the milky flower. It's a beautiful purple, y'all. It's amazing. The top of it looks so pretty and soft, but underneath and in between it, there are thistles, pointy thorns that can poke you and hurt you. So it's very difficult to pull this flower out because it is surrounded by thorns. So even though it looks beautiful, even though it looks so miraculous, you can still be in danger. You need to be careful. So every healthy tree bears good fruit, but the diseased tree bears bad fruit. Another thing, again, healthy trees produce good fruit. Dying and diseased trees produce bad fruit. You're not trying to eat no bad fruit. For example, I don't know if y'all do this, but I do this. Down here in Florida, you got Walmart, you got Publix, you got Target. Now, I go to Publix for their fruit because their fruit is fresh. You can tell where it comes from. I don't get my fruit from Walmart. Because sometimes you go to Walmart and that fruit looks bad. So I had to go to two different places because I recognize that the good fruit, the proper fruit, is in Publix. And sometimes I get that. I got to pay more. But I'm going to pay more because I know that it's producing a good thing. I'm not going to feed my family no rotten fruit or no bad fruit. You see the fruit like the orange has spots on them or the bananas have the brown spots. That means it's going bad. You're not going to give nobody that. And this also speaks very highly about personality and people. It's saying that if somebody is smiling in your face, speaking a certain way, but you notice the way they act or they do things is not of the same way or they're acting, that means there's something wrong. So they can look really nice. They can be dressed up real proper. They can say so many different things. But if their attitude and everything they do in action is bad, that means that that is a bad fruit. This is a warning to say just because somebody knows how to say church lingo or somebody knows how to persuade you that eventually if you look at the actions of the person and the fruit that comes from them, you can tell that they're not real. So many times when I talk to people uh, like my friends or younger people, I tell them, you got some people you hang out with right now that when they're around, they're like, hey, what's up, man? You, you real, man. Hey, girl, you cool, girl. Yeah, you're doing so well. And behind you, they plot. Because they know right now, as long as they stay next to you, as long as they stay by you, the blessings of God will fall on them. They can be around it. But trust me, you'll start to see by the way they treat other people. You'll start to see by the way they speak to you that eventually it'll come out. You will see the fruit that they bear. And you can tell they're really about that life. I say that because I said it earlier. There are so many people saying that they're Christians. But eventually, if you watch how they do things, you can tell if they're really children of God or not. You can tell by their conversation. You can tell by their actions. You can tell by what they're doing if they're really about that life, as we were saying. And you need to watch that. I made a joke, but it's the truth. You talk to somebody and they say, oh, yeah, I read the Bible all the time. You say, okay, what scripture do you like? You're like, what's the scripture? I know for a fact you don't read your word. Because you just ask them what the scripture is. So they can dress, they can speak, they can talk so nice, but at the end of the day, they ain't doing it. But that also shows us that we have to be quiet more and listen with the ears of God to understand. And you need to pray for discernment. Discernment is one of the gifts that the Holy Spirit will give you that God would allow through grace and mercy that will help you to see what is happening, what's going on. Kind of like that feeling in your stomach like this ain't right. Don't be fooled. It says a healthy tree cannot bear bad fruit, nor can a diseased tree bear good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown to the fire. Thus, you will recognize them by their fruits. Every bad tree will be cut down 
and thrown in the fire, emphasizing. Once again, talking about fire, fire was talked about in the parables about the thorns and the seeds that at a certain point, the wheat and the tear, that they will take them apart from what's good and wheat and what's not, and they'll be thrown to the fire and into hell. This is speaking very deeply about recognizing your surroundings, recognize who's truly speaking to you, recognize what's happening, know there's false prophets and false teaching, knowing there are wolves among you in sheep's clothing, and you will only know by the fruit they bear. A guy can't tell me he loves his wife, and then every time we talk, he's talking down to her and calling her names behind her back. But every time we have a person, he's smiling. Hey, babe, I love you. No, that's not good fruit. You can't tell me that you love your children, and then when I come by and see you, and I ask you what's their favorite show, and you're like, I don't know. Then do you really spend time with your kids? You can tell by their actions. Are your kids happy to be around you, or they're more happy to be away from you? Those are all fruit. So we need to stop looking at the glamorous things, in a sense, and start looking at real things that point out your real character. You're talking about a person's character and traits. Next slide. Okay. Here we go. Matthew 7, 24 through 27. Oh, I messed up. I missed one. I'm sorry, guys. <laughs> Okay, Matthew 21 verses, Matthew chapter 7 verses 21 through 23. Lord, Lord, y'all need to hear this one. This is real. It says, I never knew you. So the first part was about the tree and its fruits. And now Jesus is talking to the people about this next point. Are you ready? Here we go. Jesus says to them, the yellow is what I highlight to help you guys emphasize what we're talking about and how important it is. It says, I never knew. It says in verse 21, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord. We're into the kingdom of heaven. You need to catch that. Not everybody that's shouting, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. This is real. There are a lot of people that when something happens just by nature and coincidence and being raised, the first thing they yell out is, Lord, but that don't mean they know the Lord. That also means there's people beside you and around you who say the same word, Lord, Lord. And they ain't getting into heaven. So stop thinking just because somebody says the Lord's name. I mean, that's an automatic ticket in. It's not. This is why it's so important to read your Bible and your verses and your scriptures. Because it tells you clear as day the truth. Just because folks out here saying his name. Just because folks out here saying who he is. Don't mean they got a relationship with him. And don't mean they believe. And it, doesn't, and it definitely means they ain't getting in. Scripture says, Lord, Lord, I will into the, it says, not everyone will say to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but the one who does not, does the will of my father who is in heaven. Once again, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but the one who does the will of my father who is heaven. On that day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name? And cast out demons in your name? And do many great works in your name. Listen to what I'm saying, y'all. This is why the title is Remember. Remember what the scripture says. There will be people that will be saying, Lord, Lord, who ain't getting into heaven because they didn't do the will of the Father. And it says, and on that day, they're going to say, Lord, Lord, did I not prophesy in your name? Did I not cast out demons in your name? And do many mighty works in your name. So they're going to say out loud, did I not say your name when I prophesied? Did I not say your name when I cast out demons? Did I not say your name uh, when I did your mighty works? And this is what he's going to say to them. And then I would declare to them, I never knew you depart from me, you workers of lawlessness. Or if you have the King James Version, it says workers of iniquity. Wake up, y'all. The Lord is telling folks they're going to be people who are going to be saying out loud, did I not say your name when I prophesied? Yeah, you did. And did I not say your name when I cast out demons? Yeah, you said my name when you did that. And did I not say your name when I did these great works for the people? You sure did say my name. And guess what? You still going to hell. Mm-hmm. Because I don't know you and you did never know me. 
You never knew me. I never knew you. And you said my name out loud and you attached it to these things. And now guess what? You're a worker of lawlessness and iniquity. And now you're going to hell. Be careful what you putting your name on with stuff. Be careful what you put God's name on. Wake up, y'all, because people are saying these things out loud, even in 2021. They saying, Lord, 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 and they're doing great works. And they're saying, Lord, 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 and people falling out. And they're saying, Lord, 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 and Lord said, and I'm prophesying right now. And I'm telling you right now, and what's going to happen? If they don't stop, quit playing. They're going to get these words told to them. Depart from me, you workers of lawlessness. I never knew you. And listen, the worst thing as a believer you can hear is after all this time you've been doing ministry, all this time you've been doing work, that you get to that point and he tells you directly, you never did it for my father. You never did it for me. You did it for yourself. You did it for the world. And because you said my name, because you said these things, you never had a relationship with me. That's hurtful because you're, you're basically, he's basically saying out loud, you did everything selfishly and for the world and you didn't even have a relationship with me. You see in the bottom corner. Right on, man. Sheesh. We speak about in churches. We talk about and, and our, our, our churches and, and with our leadership team. The greatest thing you hear from the Lord is well done, my good and faithful servant, when you're here on this earth. That when you pass away, your time comes. You're excited to be a, a at the kingdom of God. He tells you, well done, my good and faithful servant, because you had a relationship with me. I, I told you when. Oh, my goodness. The 72 went out. And they said, Jesus, in your name, we did mighty things. We did mighty works. There are people healed in your name. We cast out demons in your name. And in that scripture, he said to them directly, yes, you didn't worry about the name. Worry about the relationship. He says, you did these things because you know me and your name is written in the book of life or the book of the Lamb. He said, that's how you were able to do this. And there was a relationship with God. And then on top of that was my name and authority that allows you to do these things. And it's been recognized. There are folks saying out loud God's name and he ain't got nothing to do with them. There are folks out here that are things are happening. People are falling out and things are being said and they're putting God's name on it. And I'm telling you the truth right now because it's in your Bible. They ain't got nothing to do with him. And then they, when the time comes, he's going to tell them to their face. Depart from it. I even know. Pastor, why are you going so hard right now? Listen, everybody, it's 2021. There are people who are still lost. There are people who still need God. Just like with Lazarus and the rich man, when the rich man had died and was in hell and looked up and spoke to Abraham and asked him, can you send people out to tell my family that this is real, that hell is real and that they don't want to be here? He said, no, you cannot go through that world again. He said, but there are people already there that are proclaiming and telling the truth. Hell is real. Heaven is real. False prophecy is real. False teaching is real. God has given you a tool. It's called the Bible. That tells you everything that's happening right here that was told long ago to help you decipher and decode what's real and what's not. But you can't get to that point, y'all, if you don't read and study. You have to have your own relationship. Here's something when we were at the church that I would tell my people come to church just because I'm saying the word of God. It's the presence of God. It's the anointing of God. That's what I want you to follow. There's an ability that when God falls upon you, that you can tell that is God and that he works with other people. That's why I said it's not just the pastor can pray. You can pray. You can do things because it's the power of God that makes things happen. And so I'm trying to tell people out loud. Stop following the man or the woman. You need to follow the presence of God because man will fail you. But God won't. I had spoke about it before and I'll say it again. We're helping out at a church. The one thing we want was that the people started to be so excited about the pastors and the ministers that was laying hands on people that they forgot it wasn't the man, it was the power of God that was in the man's life. So what started to happen is we would begin to pray for people. They only wanted to go to that one person and not nobody else because in their minds they had figured out and thought the right way was only he can hear God. That is not true. 
I was telling my daughter yesterday, we were laughing because sometimes when I go to places and people recognize I'm a pastor, they will ask me to pray. And a lot of times I'm like, no, I don't want to pray. And so some people feel that I'm being disrespectful. No, no, no. But it is that I don't want to always go somewhere. And because I'm a pastor, you just want me to pray. But I've been telling people, anybody can pray. Anybody who has a relationship with God and wants to believe in him and get to that point has the same ability. Anybody. This is why they talk about Job. This is why they talk about Moses with the stuttering problem. This is why we talk about David who had the issue of fornication. These were people who had flaws. These were people that were messed up. And by God and believing and knowing, he changed their life. This is why Zacchaeus is so important because Zacchaeus was corrupt. He was a tax collector. But the presence of God, not God beating him up, God talking down to him, the presence of God that stood before him made him change. So I can tell you because of what God has done in my life, I'm a pastor now, but I wasn't a pastor then. I accepted God. He helped me. He put me with good people. I began to learn. I began to train. And that's how I got here. I want you to have the same thing. Have a prayer life. Not just 20 or 30 minutes. Really sit down and understand who God is. This is why I'm sorry to get excited because this is so good. There's so many amazing things about God that's out there, but because we don't know our identity in God, we don't go further in it. This is why I get so excited because I was a person who didn't understand it. I was lost. I didn't know that Jesus was my advocate. An advocate is somebody that speaks on your behalf. It's a person that has the authority to talk to the judge or talk to the king and say, man, just go ahead and just wipe their slate clean. When I realized that it says Jesus is my advocate that says that when I do something stupid, when I make a mistake, that even when I'm saying, Lord, please forgive me, and I'm for real, that he has the authority, my God, to go before God at the throne of heaven and say, listen, I know Mark messed up. Mark has messed up so many times, but let me tell you something. As his advocate, as his speaker that speaks on his behalf, as the person who died for his sins, I want you to know he's getting better. And I'm asking you, Dad, I'm pleading with you, Dad, give him one more chance. And the Bible says, because of Jesus doing that and because I sincerely repent, he gives me another shot. But I would never know that if I didn't understand what the purpose of the advocate was and who was my advocate. This is all in your Bible. There are things you're missing out on. There are blessings. There are wisdom. There are gems. There are jewels. There are things in the scripture that you are missing out on. People talking about my finances messed up. Look in your Bible and look about how to deal with finances and watch what God talked about. What was Jesus talking about? Watch what the people of God spoke about. It's not always about prophecy. It's not always about riches. It is more to God than financial gain. Because I keep trying to tell people, when your time comes, when you're not going to be here no more, the American dollar is not the same currency in heaven. I need you to understand this. The car you have does not have the same value of what's going to happen in heaven because that is a whole different realm. So stop thinking your money, stop thinking your look, stop thinking your attitude is going to get you in. It's by knowing God, being humble and receiving him as your father. There's a guidance to this thing. And I get frustrated because the answer is sitting right in front of you. And we will listen to other people who don't even know the answer. Wake up, please. God is real. Heaven is real. Hell is real. And topics like these are really hard to talk about. But here, even in the Bible, once again, Jesus said it. They said, Jesus, when you're talking to the people, when you do miracle signs and wonders, everybody show up. But when you start talking about real truth, nobody's there. And he told them directly in the scripture, find it. He said, because when you talk about the gems of the kingdom of God, you'll find out who really wants to know. That's why he spoke in parables. He spoke in riddles because he knew that if I didn't do a miracle, if I didn't do a sign, who will still show up to hear about the kingdom of God? This is why learning scriptures are important. They save your life, I'm trying to tell you. All right, next part. We're going to talk about 
house on the rock now. For everyone then who hears these words of mine and does them will be like a wise man who built his house on the rock. And the rain fell and the floods came and the wind and the beat of that house. But it did not fall because it had been founded on the rock. Listen, Jesus tells Peter he'll be the rock. He speaks about how his foundation will be strong. This is another way of expressing scripture in the Bible. This is being said and talked to us that when you have a true foundation of God, when you know who he is, you know what he looks like, you know what he sounds like, you know of him and you have built a relationship. When it's about the wind and the rain and the floods, it means that you cannot be broken or moved because your foundation is so strong that no matter what comes against you, you will not break. What I'm noticing right now is that many of us have put on the facade that we have strong foundation and we're sitting on sand. And as the wind blows and as the rain comes and the flood stops to happen, we're sinking because we realize we didn't have a strong foundation in God. We had a strong foundation in man. And I'm trying to say right now, forget the man concept, get the God concept, get your stuff rebuilt. The Bible talks about count the cost of doing things. Rebuild right now. You can right now say, no, Lord, I, I, I didn't get it right. I didn't understand it. I didn't believe. It. Forgive me. But now that I know, help me rebuild my foundation. Because when these storms come, when these false prophets come, when these false teachers come, you will sink because you're not firmly rooted in God. When people come your way and speak against you or say things about you or tell you you can't make it, it will never happen. Or when you just don't know what to do. When you have a... A beautiful thing I love about God is that there's moments where my wife doesn't have an answer. Thank you, Lord. My friends don't have an answer. My kids don't have the answer. I don't have the answer. And there are moments where I sit there worried and sad because I'm human. And I say, Lord, you got to help me because nobody, my mentor, my bishops, my friends, nobody has an answer to this. I know that sounds wild, but it's true. Sometimes we just don't have the answers. Sometimes it's just you going through something right now. And I sit there and I love God so much because when I sit there, the presence of God will sit upon me and say, I got the answer. And the answer that I look for when it's like, okay, Lord, well, how am I going to fix this? And he tells me to fix this, have patience. What? We are so used to saying to fix something, we got to do something. Sometimes God said, no, no, no. I need you to get out the way and let me fix it. So it's amazing when you have a relationship with God that you can sit there doing your your, your issues. And when nobody has the answer, he will give you the answer and take, just be patient. Just have faith. Just keep moving. Don't do nothing. I got you. And the peace falls upon you. Where you know this is so messed up. This is so bad. But I know for a fact, without a shadow of a doubt, in my heart, I feel the presence of God that tells me it's going to be all right. And when I can say it's going to be all right and I can keep moving forward and people look at me crazy, how are you surviving? How are you making it? Do you know what's happening? Because God is with me. That time. And his love, grace, and mercy is love. It lasts forever. I don't need an answer no more because I got God as my answer. Because whether he tell me or not, he is the answer. I was telling somebody um, about basketball because I'm a huge basketball fan and about Allen Iverson. And everybody called him AI for artificial intelligence, but also for Allen Iverson. But his nickname was the answer. When he played basketball, and even though he was smaller than the other players, they called him the answer because he had the answer to win the game. He was the way to win the game. He would do layups and jump shots and crossovers, but the whole and one era, he was called the answer. I'm trying to tell you that God is the answer. And then when God is with you, when he's the coach, when he and Jesus is on the team with you, you're good. <sighs> Do not let it be saying. It says it had it says, uh, here we go. Um, because it had been founded on the rock and everyone who hears these words of mine and does not do them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. Sand sinks. People build houses. You notice they don't do it on sand. Um, sometimes when you build projects, they have to come out and test the soil to see where the weak spot is. And if there is a weak spot, they have to build a stronger foundation with concrete or somehow they have to pick different spots for the land because you can't have none on sinking ground because your house was sinking. 
So it says, don't be foolish, be wise. Know where that spot is and know you can't build on it. And if you do build it, have a, a, a great foundation. And the rain fell and the floods came and the winds blew and beat against the house and it fell and great was the fall of it, demolished it. Then in the end, Jesus, uh, it says the authority of Jesus. And it was said, and when Jesus, Jesus finished these things, sayings, this is Matthew saying what Jesus said, the crowds were astonished at his teaching, for he was teaching them as one who had authority and not as their scribes. This is a huge moment. After Jesus said all these things, the people realized this ain't somebody who's just a teacher or a scribe. This is the Messiah. This is the guy that has the authority and power to make stuff happen. He's talking from the standpoint as the one as the one who knows what's going to happen. He's not just talking like he read this. He's speaking as if this is what it is. The authority of God. He is the authority. He's telling us the rule. He is the law. He's speaking from the law standpoint as being the creator of the law, one of them, not as somebody just speaking about it and researching it. He knows. It wakes people up. I seen this on a YouTube video. There was a gentleman who created a video game and people were playing it and researching it. He sat in the room and they were talking about the different dynamics of the game, where it came from. And so other people who did the research about the person were speaking from a standpoint of what they had studied. But then when he started to speak, he was talking as the person who wrote it, as the person who created it. He was talking from the authority of, I'm the one that did this. I know what's going on. You're just researching it. I know of it. He's telling them from, I know for a fact this is going to happen. I want to read a couple of things that was uh, stood out when I was studying uh, of the scripture. Uh, talking about uh, verses 13 to 29. It says, this closing section of the sermon on the mountain is a gospel application. We're talking about application. Application usually means uh, how you do things in life. How do you apply it? Says uh, it speaks about the two gates, the two ways, two destinations, two groups of people, two kinds of trees, two kinds of fruits, two groups of judgment, and two kinds of builders building on two kinds of foundation. Christ is drawing the line as clearly as possible between the way that leads to destruction and the way that leads to life. This part, because uh, we went to 15, there's actually one through 12 that they're talking about with the two gates that Jesus spoke about. Um, it says judging others and asking it will be given to you in the golden rule. So uh, it's 13 all the way to 29, but it's speaking about two things. He's talking about two different ways, two different people, two different groups, two different things. Clearly speaking out loud, saying the way of destruction and the way of life. Um, and it also speaks about false prophets. These deceive not by disguising themselves as sheep, but by impersonating true shepherds. When they were talking about the terminology, meaning false prophets, talking about the sheep we talked about earlier in wolves and sheep's clothing, it's the fire right here saying, um, uh, these deceit, so not just disguising themselves, but it says, as uh, but by impersonating true shepherds. So they're saying, not only will they disguise themselves, but they'll be able to mimic and impersonate true people of God. That's deep. Uh, the examples to give out of, um, and it says, they promote the wide gate and the wide way, sheep's clothing. This may refer to the woolen attire that was characterized as garbs of sheep. So saying they were dressed in a way that makes you think or believe that they're peaceful in the sense or, or okay? Uh, this is another study on verse 16, talking about the fruits. It said, you recognize them by their fruits. See notes on uh, chapter three, verse eight, false doctrine cannot restrain the flesh. It says, so false prophets manifest wickedness. Uh, the counter reference, as I told you earlier, was second Peter chapter two, verses 12 to 22. Uh, and then it says, not everyone who says, but the ones who does. Uh, the barrenness of this sort of faith demonstrates its real character. The faith that says, but not, but but does not do it. So we're talking about earlier in verse 21 saying about the fruit that they bear is saying that just because they say it, but they don't have the action behind it means unbelief. So even though they're speaking out loud and saying things of God, that the work of God is not the same. So it says unbelief. So that's another way unbelief comes in. Belief comes from not, it says belief comes from saying and doing. Unbelief comes from saying and not doing. That's deep. Remember that. Belief comes from saying and doing, and unbelief comes from saying and not doing. 
Jesus are uh, the only thing for salvation, but the true faith will not fail to produce the fruit of good works. This is uh, precisely the point of James chapter 1, 20 to 25 and chapter 2, verse 26. So it's not just that um, as they prescribe, as they state, sorry, that works are the only thing for salvation, but the true faith will not fail to produce the fruit of good works. So true faith doesn't give you bad fruit. True faith doesn't give you bad things. It doesn't give you bad uh, stuff in general. You'll see good things come from it. All right. Okay, take a minute. Take a minute. I'm going to show you all this uh, for our take a minute segment. We just basically take a moment to kind of reflect on everything that was said and what has what was happening. Um, I'm going to blow it up right now. Okay, so for our take a minute segment, it says a bad tree cannot bear good fruit. That's what Jesus said. And I have examples of what good fruit looks like. And on the other hand, what bad fruit looks like, but in the middle, the progression of it. And then on the side, I found this. It was so powerful. I had to keep it. I might just post it there on Facebook. I found this little sketch art that says some are in touch with Jesus. Others think they are. Saying out loud, there's people who are speaking they really think they're in touch with him, but they're not. And it says faith and humility makes the difference. And it says as he went, the people uh, engaged, engaged him. And it says faith, humble uh, seeker for help. And then as you can see in the picture, I'll make it big. In the picture, you see different people from different backgrounds, different clothing, different tires. You see priests, you see pastors, you see executives, you see all types of people. And you see the woman at the end at the bottom who's just a humble person who's not in the stature of living and that she is asking for his help. But you see uh, in this picture is portraying how there are people who really feel they're doing the work of the Lord. Like we talked about earlier and they're not and they're not in touch with him. So. All right, time to do we do OIA, observation, interpretation, application. We're talking about what does the passage say? What does the passage mean? How does the passage apply to my life? What does the passage say? The passage speaks about false prophets. It speaks about knowing the difference between good fruit and bad fruit. It says you can recognize things by the fruit that they bear. It speaks about how, uh, how to build a strong foundation where nothing can shake you and move you. Uh, it speaks about how God will say he never knew some people who've been shouting his name and saying he's doing all the work in his name. He's going to tell them it ain't true. So this passage hits on a lot of topics, knowing the fruit that is bare and how it's, how it's done. It speaks about uh, knowing people that he will say he never knew them and also how to build a house on a rock. And lastly, the last two verses talks about how he spoke in authority in saying the things and not just as a teacher. So kind of tell him this is what you got to do. Um, what does the passage mean? In so many different ways, the passage is talking about, uh, especially the fruit and the tree. Be careful of what you witness with people and how to know the difference between God and what's not God. How to know somebody's a believer and not a believer. How to know something's good or bad. Uh, you can tell by the fruit that they're bearing, what they're doing. Uh, talk about a healthy tree and a bad tree. For example, we know that a bad tree can't give healthy fruit, and we know that a healthy tree don't give no bad fruit. So even though you see something, that looks healthy. Hear what I'm saying? If it, it produces something bad, it's bad. And at the end, I have a great example to show you. If you looked earlier when I started the stream, a lot of times I delayed the stream because I have backgrounds. I want you guys to, and I had a beautiful background. I want to show you what's so amazing about this background. So uh talks about Jesus, uh, God said he never knew you, how people are going to say his name and do these things and speak out loud. And he's going to say, I don't know you're working with iniquity or lawlessness. And that they did all that work and said his name, but didn't have a relationship with him. He didn't know them. And now they're going to go to hell. Okay. And uh, the other part was building the house and the rock, having a rock foundation, not a soft foundation, not being able to be easily persuaded or moved to know who God is. How does so many ways this scripture applies so many scales. It helps you determine how people do things and to look out for. It helps you decipher who's really a believer, who's not. 
It also helps you in life to know the people you surround yourself by. Are they producing good fruit or bad fruit? Are they a good tree or bad fruit? Are they toxic or not toxic? Do you need to go by yourself and not need these people around you? Because this is a powerful thing. It also talks about the importance of Jesus saying he knew you and, and not you going there and say he don't know you. You do not want to die and meet your maker and he say, I don't know you. You want to be able him to say, well done, my good and faithful servant. And also to know there are people among us who are false teachers and false prophets who are trying to distract and stop you from believing. And that even when you go forth, there are people you think about to get in heaven, ain't going to get into heaven. There are people been shouting his name and saying, you know, working his name? Ain't going to happen. That's a wake up call. Just because I told you earlier, somebody put Jesus' name on it or God's name on it doesn't mean he endorsed it. Um, and then the foundation, having a solid foundation, knowing who God is in your life, not letting people tell you something, you don't look at it, know it for yourself. Um, one of the things I'm about to say right now, it says I never knew you. We were invited to an event. There's a speaker there. And this is when um, kind of woke me up. There are people that this person claimed to be uh, very inclined with God. And I watched how all these people crowded around this person and went to this place. And when this person began to speak, there were people that needed healing. And an individual stood up and said that they have a hearing problem. And the speaker said, well, because I'm a prophet of God, we're going to heal their hearing right now. And I watched people get excited about this person getting their healing in their ears. And the prophet walked up there, touched the person's ears, said a prayer and said, now, how does your hearing sound? And the person said, huh? What? It seemed like it got worse. And the prophet went back and laid the hands on them and prayed a prayer and said, Lord, 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 in Jesus' name, how is it now? The person said, I think my hearing is getting worse. True story, y'all. So then that speaker said, well, if you look at your leg, your leg grew because you were unbalanced. And now you're good. And they walked off and everybody clapped. Pastor, why are you saying this? That was my wake-up call about false prophets and people who say God's name and got nothing to do with it. That man came for his ears to be here healed, and he left without his ears being healed. But he got excited because somebody said his leg grew. I didn't come for my leg to grow. I didn't come for my fingers to grow. I came for healing. So that person left in a way saying, ooh, well, even I asked for healing, it didn't happen. My leg grew. The person was speaking, saying they were a prophet of God. But look what happened. But look, people still cheated. That's how you know you're getting fooled. It's deep. Wake up, y'all. If you go somewhere and say you need healing, I'm just going to be real. It's either a couple of things. Either the time of the healing is not now, or there's things you got to do. But if you went and this person said they are of God, and they tell you it's going to happen, and then instead they tell you something else happened, you didn't get what you needed, but you're still clapping because of their look and their appearance. You're more believing in the person than in God. That's why I know scriptures with the pool of Bethesda, with the man who lowered from the ceiling, from uh, Elijah and the people. There were many ways that God healed, many different ways. There was times he healed outside the church, in the church, at somebody's home. He used different people. Healing comes from everywhere. So I'm trying to say how sometimes we are fooled because of the persona of the person. Not realizing we really didn't get what we needed. We got tripped. Smoking mirrors. All right. Here we go. Okay, so I'm going to take my face off the screen right now. And I'm going to show you this beautiful background one more time. And I'm going to explain what it is. So I'm going to take this off right here.
Okay, so the beautiful tree you saw behind me is in this picture. It is a marvelous and beautiful tree. It's actually known to be around the Caribbeans. Uh, it is amazing. It's called a mantula tree. And as you can see in the picture, that beautiful apple you see, that's what the fruit looks like. It is a marvelous and beautiful tree. But if you read the bottom of my screen, it's the most dangerous tree in the world. It is a toxic tree. It don't look toxic. The apple don't look toxic. But guess what? The sap and the juice is toxic. If there ever was a tree to avoid, it's the mantula tree. This tree, also known as the La Mazilla de la Tomutrira, the little apple of death, quite literally oozes toxin. This tree in many countries by the Caribbean and other places, it has warning signs around it because people are attracted to the beauty. It is a beautiful tree. It doesn't look harmful. It looks like a tree you can find uh, out in nature. But the problem is the sap, the tree, the juice from the apple all have toxic in it, toxins, acid almost. It's a tree that people are fooled by, that when they bite into the apple, they die. Or if they sit under the tree and say it begins to leak sap, it can take away your blind, it can make you blind, it can take away your sense of smell and a sense of taste. And if you stand under the fumes of the tree long enough for a few minutes, you can die. That's how toxic this tree is. That beautiful tree kills people, kills animals. It's known as the monkey killer because in some places where there are monkeys, they see the tree and they go climb on it and they'll just fall and collapse because of the acid and the toxic in it. This is what I'm trying to tell y'all. There are some beautiful trees out here. They got some toxic in this apple. And you out here biting that good apple and it's going to kill you. Know by the fruit that it bears. This fruit, even though it looks good, the inside is toxic and the tree itself is toxic. So that's why they either cut them down or they tell people to stay away from it. I want to give that example how important it is to not think that something's beautiful, that something is so amazing and looks like and sounds like it still can be toxic. Know your scripture, know your word, know your God. Look it up, man. It's a cool thing. Discovery Channel, top 10 daily trees. All right, everybody, with that being said, it's time for altar call. I thank y'all for tuning in. I thank y'all for watching. I thank you guys for just spending some time with me. I know it's a little deep. I know it's a little rough, but that's the point of us doing this. You got to know your word. You got to know the truth. He didn't just say all the times things will be good. Sometimes things will be rough, but here are the answers to it. I'm more concerned about your soul when you get into heaven. And I'd rather tell you the truth and let you know what's happening and you choose. So at this time, if anything I said stood out to you, whether it be the fruit that you bear, whether it be that Jesus, God going to tell people he didn't know some people who said his name or about your foundation. I ask you right now to take a moment. Think about that time that you felt that nothing could change. Think about that moment where man couldn't fix it. Nobody could fix it. And it got fixed. And you know, without a shadow of a doubt, it was God. I want you to remember this right now. And I want you to say this prayer with me. God, I thank you. God, I love you. I believe in you. And I know Jesus died on the cross for me and my sins. He was blameless and sinless. And he died for me to have an opportunity to have a relationship with you. God, I don't want to be one of those people that says your name and shout your name and say all these things. And when I go and meet you face to face, you tell me, depart from me, that you didn't never know me. And I was a worker of iniquity or lawlessness. I want to be the one, Lord, that when I see you will say, well done, my good and faithful servant. Well done, my child, and let me come in home with you. I thank for Jesus being my advocate that even in my mistakes, he speaks up on my behalf. And Lord, I think and I believe right now that you are real. And I thank what you've done with your grace and mercy that covers me. Forgive me for sinning knowingly and unknowingly. And I thank you right now. And I'm so grateful for this moment that I've received you. In Jesus' name, amen. Listen, I know I'm going to say, if you said that prayer with me, welcome home. The Bible says that heaven is screaming your name right now. They're rejoicing. They're running around telling God that you are now a part of the family. They're saying your name. 
If you were somebody who fell by the wayside or backslid and you believed it and said it, welcome home. Just like the prodigal son, your father's having a celebration for you because you came back. You learned that you needed him. You needed God and not the world. Welcome home. As I always say, find you a church, not a building. Find you a place that people will help you dive into your word, know who God is, and find your identity in Christ that can help mold you and teach you and teach you the truth of the gospel. I thank you for tuning in. I thank you for watching. You want to get a hold of us as always, you can. It's really simple. You can find us on Facebook at Remedy COG or YouTube at Remedy House. You can email me and the First Lady at RemedyCOG at gmail.com or you can call in Texas at 863-606-8499. That's a private line that only me and First Lady have access to. If you have a prayer request, if you have something that's on your mind, whatever you need, you can call us and see what's happening. Shout out to the Amen Corner. With that being said, I thank everybody for watching. I thank everybody for tuning in. Listen, y'all, I know sometimes I go long. I know sometimes I got some heavy topics. But listen, if you haven't noticed, the signs are showing. We've had the coronavirus hit. We have people that have just died unexpectedly. We have so many things happen. We even had a situation where we thought the, the financial system we have would be stable enough to take care of us. We found out it couldn't. I'm telling you, the only thing that can take care of you and save you is God. Please wake up. Notice this is real. Find him. Keep him. Be with him. He loves you. We're praying for everybody's strength. We're praying for you to get through this week. We're praying for the children, the essential workers, the parents, the mother, fathers, the elderly. We're praying for everybody. Because right now, there's so much going on in this world, we just need to be covered. But the last thing I want to do, I want to make sure that the first thing I want to do is make sure that you know who God is. I don't want you to have that moment where you go before him. You can't go home. All right. Love you guys. Peace.